Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 66 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Summary of the Book of Revelation. Our teacher is Alan Smith. And so as we start considering the heart, and I would like to not just scoot on past that thought, because it is in this book, in this Bible, that, that God is trying to train us and teach us how to, as Helen Keller said, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt in the heart. Have you noticed when the presence of God that can be even in this place, you can't see him and you can't touch him, but you want to cry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just all of a sudden this, this uh, theme comes over you that you could cry and or somebody can get, get up here and tell a testimony or something that God's done and they can't get about half of it out and the rest of it we're trying to figure out through their skipped words, right? What's going on? It's that they're feeling something in their heart. Feeling something in their heart. Now, the reason I'm spending a little bit of time on this is today the whole world is run off of there's there's a there is a rule out here that man has created to come to the conclusion of a, any particular truth, and that rule that man uses to come to a conclusion of a truth is if you accumulate enough evidence to prove that what I don't know must be true. You don't ever see the truth of accumulation of evidence. You know, we do accumulation of evidence as a type of reasoning to come to the truth. Now, I'm not saying it can't be used, but of course it can. We use evidence to lead us in a path. But as I've said thousands of times before, the accumulation of evidence does not equal a spiritual truth. As we're living in this world, we get all of this evidence, uh, whether it be on relationships or health or whatever. You accumulate all the evidence, right? And that evidence convinces us of a position. Could it be that there is another sense in us that God's putting in us? It's called the heart. Could it be that God's put the heart in us so we can feel what's true outside of evidence. Are you with me? Now, this goes against the soul. It goes against human nature. It goes against everything we've been taught. And I'm not against, no, I'm not saying there's not an avenue of accumulating some truth by accumulating evidence. It's one reason I didn't like algebra they give you the answer, then you're supposed to figure it out or something. It, you're supposed to accumulate all of these different ways, and I'm like, that just never made a lot of sense to me. Nonetheless, as we accumulate evidence, and it's just the way the human mind processes stuff, we think, based on our evidence that we have accumulated, that we now have a particular persuasion. And are you with me? I am now persuaded that this is the truth. Well, how did you deduct that? Based on my accumulation of all of this evidence. But did you know that evidence 
can lead you to a non-truth. Now, it just can't. You can stack up an ev- a lot of evidence and prove why you believe what you believe. And there's people today in prison that are innocent, but the evidence appeared to look like they were guilty. Are you with me? Now, I'm not going to say that the accumulation of evidence, perhaps 60% of the time, doesn't equal a unknown or a truth. But how true is a true? How true is a truth that you're trying to prove the unknown by the accumulation of evidence when it can be flawed? So how true is that truth? How true is it? So, it gets us in this spiritual dilemma or this other dilemma, or could it be that God has introduced to us through his word, and I'm trying to put a little emphasis on it this morning. Could it be that God has created something else in us that we don't identify much called the heart, spiritual heart? And could this be the feeler of truth? Just a thought. Could it be when I stand up here and and give a testimony and I start witnessing with the truth again of what God did in my life, it makes me want to cry. What makes me want to cry is because something in me is identifying with the truth. Or I can have somebody stand up and give a testimony. I can be sitting over here and I can identify. I have a, uh, old people call it this, have you got a witness? What do you say? Have you got a witness? What does that mean? That means do you feel it? Well, they're saying God did a miracle in their life. You cannot accumulate enough evidence to prove the miracle. Did, did you know I was healed of cancer when I was 38, 9 years old? And I'm standing before you at 70. And it's 40 years removed. Well, yeah, 40, 30 years removed. I can tell you about when God healed me of cancer. And 30 years later, it feels like I'm talking about another person. Doesn't feel like I'm talking about me. You can say, well, Alan, that's terrible. Well, it might be, but I'm just telling you the truth. It feels like I'm talking about another person. I can give you the evidence. I one time had it, had my files of my lungs and the tumors. I had all of it in a in files, and, and, and I don't want that. They're gone. So guess what? I can't prove it to you now. My evidence is gone. But I can start talking about it and I can feel it in here. I have a witness to the truth in here. Are are you with me? And so when we're reading the book of Revelation, more even when we're reading the Word of God, I can take this Bible and through the accumulation of evidence, if you'll follow my evidence, I can lead you very easily in about eight, seven to eight different persuasions of this book, Covenant Theology, Dispensational Theology. You got, you got 
a, a type of charismatic theology that mixes some doctrinal trends. But I can accumulate my evidence of my scripture and I can sit down with you and if you give me 45 minutes and you follow my accumulation of evidence, did you know I can lead you down each one of those trails? And you'll look at it and you'll say that's true because look at it, right there it is. But it has to do with something on how I stack that evidence Are you with me? Can anybody hear what I'm trying to say? Now, if I can stack the Word of God and the evidence in the Word of God to lead you in my persuasion, now I will say this. I don't care what persuasion you have and how you stack it. It's still the Word of God. And you'll still escape hell and go to heaven. Don't let anybody get worried here. You can stack the Word of God wrong in a lot of ways. I, and you still had a person that said, well, Alan, they're... they're uh, the question was a Mormon. This will give me some ratings. And the question was, Alan, do you think a Mormon can be saved? And I said, well, yeah, I believe anybody can be saved if they receive Christ. Because a Mormon doesn't send you to hell. Rejecting Christ sends you to hell. Now, I don't think a lot of the teachings are too good. But if the question is, can I... Can a Mormon be saved? And I, yeah, and uh, somebody from Alexandria County can too, believe it or not. <laughs> you see, so so what what constitutes being saved or lost is it, it, it's, it's not a, a series of accumulated information. If you stack it just right, that you'll be saved. That's that's just it's just not. But that's the way this works. <clears throat> the reason we got all of <clears throat> our different denominations is because how you want to stack the information. And in all honesty, I don't really care. You can stack it any way you want to. And at 70, I've taken enough time to run all the series of stacks. And at the end of my conclusion, I mean, and have done some intensive studies on some of them, and I got to the end of it, and I have to say, okay, I'm persuaded their way's right way of looking at it right. You say, well, Alan, what do we do? Here's, here's, where, here's what I did. In my heart, I knew you could stack it and it looked like it, but in my heart, I felt like something was wrong. And, and let, let me give you an example. This is our dilemma. I don't know why I'm getting in this dilemma right here. Here's our dilemma. We have a dilemma in the church of Jesus Christ. Our dilemma is this. Do, as, as you've heard it said before, do we tell people to get cleaned up and then come to Christ or do we tell them to come to Christ and he'll clean you up? What's our message? Now, it's a hard thing when who you are comes to the door. Are you with me? Now, I can answer it, but guess what? I'm not going to, because it would just give you some evidence. I want you to feel in here what's the right answer. We give people the gospel. They can say, well, do I have to quit this or do I have to quit that? The answer is, now listen to me. 
Let's give me some ratings. The answer is no. You do not have to quit anything. The question at hand is not if you have to quit anything. The question at hand is, do you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the question. Don't confuse it with baggage. And the reason I'm saying this, I think we're going to be tested as a church in this area in this past week as I was talking to the Lord and seeking God on the seven churches and what the seven churches did and what they didn't do. And uh, it's like the Lord said, it just wanted to remind me of the seven churches. I don't remember what you're for more than what you're against. Just remember, that's your job. Remember what you're for more than you are against. And I'm preaching to myself more than I am you. So I think we're going to be tested in this area. Do you get cleaned up to come here or do you receive Christ and get cleaned up is the question. Now, as we're getting cleaned up, the Word of God needs to be given in a way that it scrubs you pretty good. Right? You're coming to Christ to get cleaned up. Well, okay, well, we got to scrub. Some of this stuff takes a lot of truth. And there again, I'm trying to come against religious spirit and I'm saying, don't go by what your stacked up accumulation is. Go, It's okay to go a little bit by the heart because the heart is feeling and seeing things that you can't see and feel. Everyone sitting in this room was lost and going to hell until you found Christ. There's not anybody in here that's not still getting cleaned up. And when I get to the end of this teaching, which it's obvious I'll not get to there today, you will see and understand the situation we find ourselves, but you'll also see and understand that there's going to be a day that there's a new heaven and new earth. There's going to be a new beginning. According to this book, Revelation, going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And guess what? There's going to be a day that you're going to have a new body and you're going to fully be born again yourself. You're going to be new heaven and new earth too, and there's going to be a new heaven and new earth, and God's going to make all things new. And we're not quite at the fullness of our newness yet. You all right? We're not quite there. Now, God's not wanting us to get religious. He's wanting us to get renewed. We are in our newing process, our renewing. We're in the newing process for that day that all things are new. It would be nice if we didn't like but three more feet to our newness and not 3,000 feet. Anybody with me? Because there's a benefit in walking closer into our newness every day. But we got to keep in mind, these are the days of Noah. So say all the coming of the Son of Man be. And God is already renewing His people unto that day that we have a fullness of renewing. Are you with me? Now you can't do that hanging on to your own mind. You are doomed to constantly repeat yourself. 
I know you're impressed, but the rest of us aren't. And God, the more. So I, I realize that's, that's the ground that we're on. Now, all these seven churches in the book of Revelation, he's leading us unto a day that all of this is going to be renewed. We find ourselves and in the seven churches is being renewed. And he said, in this time, I got a few things against you you need to look at. And the reason is in the light of, not religiously because you've done it wrong, but it's in the light of the renewing that he says you can learn some things. There's something about God supernaturally healing the body. And I'm not saying God doesn't supernaturally heal the mind, but he's more into renewing it. Through a supernaturalness of renewing, and it's a longer form than an instantaneous healing. And I want to tell you why I think it's that way. I've told, told you this. In the book of Genesis, it says God has created uh, us in his image, and that word image there is the word zakar. And the word zakar means in the Hebrew, the remembering ones. So God's got us here on this planet. The part of that's the, the part of you that's like God is your ability to remember. We don't operate out of instinct. We can act like a bunch of animals and operate out of instinct. That's what sin is. That's what sexual sin is. It's acting like an animal. You're operating out of instinct. Anybody with me? Is that too plain? Is that all right? You're operating out of instinct. And so what happens is God wanted to renew our minds because that's the part of us that's like Him. God didn't take Israel around a mountain for 40 years because they didn't know where they were going. For some reason, and I'll tell you what my take on it is. You say they rebelled and all that. God wanted to hang out with them in the wilderness. God loved camping. He loved running around our blame mountain and just set up a tent just to hang out with his people. He never wanted to go to a big temple in Jerusalem, never did. I'll prove it to you. He had it tore down. He said because his goal was he'd be in the hearts of people. He wanted to run over the earth and around the earth. So the whole reason we're even here is this mind issue. To renew the mind, to clean up the mind, to make the mind pure, to make the mind, believe it or not, how the mind can be in relationship with God's mind. And he says, you don't accumulate the evidence to prove that. The only way you can get there is through your heart. So when I look at this book and all of the different theological views to view this book and people have got shingles of all of their PhDs and HDDs and MOUSEs and they got all this stuff thinking every one of them, they got the right one. And, and trust me, it, that don't, I really don't think that hurts a thing. It, it, it keeps people busy. 
keeps you out of sin. It has a benefit. But we're, what God's wanting us to do is to get in touch with him with our heart. Now, this thing, if you consider what I just said, is more reachable than you thought. You don't have to memorize a lot of stuff. You don't even, uh, you can't even clean yourself up, have you noticed? We've all tried. You still stink at the end of the day. So we have to rely upon God to clean us up. And so we get to where we can hear him. We feel him. Uh, have you ever noticed you went into a Walmart, you went in somewhere and you, you're like, oh, I'm feeling something here. You look around. You see a mother over there with a little girl and you see her going through her money. She ain't got enough money to get what she needs. And all, but you felt it first. Felt it before you saw it. And you, and you look. And because you're feeling it, I'm supposed to go over and give her a little bit of money. You feel it. You respond. But as soon as you feel it, your brain kicks in. Well, you ain't got enough money to give them. The brain. Where did it come from? It jumps in there and starts reasoning. The acts of God are not reasonable. Yeah. It's just not. It's not reasonable. And the reason I'm putting an emphasis on this today is because the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen. They must be felt with the heart. To exercise faith is to open the door of the heart. For it is in the heart that man believeth. So we know that it is a true issue for us to believeth. But for the things that we can't see become things that we can see. It's called faith. And I'm introducing you a side thought here is you can't accumulate enough evidence to grow your faith. Can you hear that? I know human people believe that. If I learn enough, I'll have more faith. Well, I mean, you can have faith in the Word of God. If I learn enough, the way you have faith with God, I've taught you if you've been here, there's three things that Jesus brought against the seven churches. One was he talked to them about their love. The other one, he talked to them about their zeal. The third one, he talked to them about their faithfulness. There's three things. He talked to the seven churches about. All three of those things are relational things. None of them are Bible doctrinal things. None of them. It's your love and their zeal and their faithfulness. If you have the true love of God, it makes you zealous. And if you're zealous, guess what? You will be very faithful. It wasn't faithfulness out of trying to work it up. It was faithfulness because zeal produces it. Well, I can't work up zeal. I can fake a smile and say, glory, hallelujah, praise God. But you won't feel anything. And it's because my love is waxing cold. And that's my relationship with Christ. Now we're all sitting here with a 
certain element of zeal. And uh, I know we don't ever consider that very much zeal. I'm not saying you got to be swinging from the rafters. But do you do know if you're happy about this thing called Christ, this person, you do know if you're happy about following God? Zeal comes out of an element or a level of true faith which comes out of the heart, and it's out of the heart that the zeal is produced. I had, I don't know, what, what am I doing here? I ain't got out from my first slide. But the heart is our issue. I hope, church, you can hear where I'm going with this. The heart is the issue. And if you've been around 70 years or longer, you'll realize that's the biggest issue for sure. Something happens at the bottom of your feet if you've walked a lot, they get callous. So does the heart of man. The more you walk, the more callous you get, the more callous you get, the less you feel. And I'm just telling you, one of the tools of walking in the faith is your heart feeler. And so the enemy comes against our heart. He tries to make us disappointed in so many relationships. So many things, he stores all that in our memory. And because of this memory of all of this sadness, our heart is sad and we can't feel God moving. You ever been in a service where every, you know, people's crying and then you're sitting there like, I don't feel a thing. First conclusion is, this is not God because I don't feel it. That's our, usually our first one, but we won't say that out loud. Well, not until we get in the parking lot. I don't think God was in there. Didn't feel a thing. Not realizing you just revealed your heart. Right? That is a word of caution if you, if that comes to you, I, I keep my mouth shut. Can I move on? We, I'm going to get off of this. All right. But the heart is how this teaching of the seven churches is interpreted. Uh, people all the time say, Alan, the book of Revelation is too confusing. It's because it's a heart issue. Well, what about God's going to tear us up? It's still a heart issue. It's a hard issue, and it's about Christ. It's not about comets falling out of the sky. It's about Christ. Now, it's hard to hang on to the message when you read about rocks falling out of the sky. I understand that. But still, you got to understand what it is, and that's what brings the confusion. Now, as we're, now there again, this is just an overview of the seven churches, of what I've done with these seven churches. Think with your heart, not your head. So here, here we have seen these seven churches, and I have. Now I'm going to put a little more emphasis today because at the end of this teaching, I'll not get to it today. Probably next week, you'll understand why I'm putting the emphasis up front. So we see that with this, the seven churches, it looks like it covered the first hundred years there. You see that? Second uh, Smyrna tended to cover another two hundred years. Now, these numbers in Scripture are important, but nonetheless, that Smyrna tended to cover another section. Uh, the, the Pergama tended to cover, uh, started in 313, we call it, with the Roman Catholic Church. 
The next one, the Roman Catholic Church came to greater power for a thousand years, plummeted what we call even into the dark ages. If Christianity could have been lost, for sure it would have been lost then. Uh, then you had what we call the Protestant Reformation with Sardis of a, a time period. Then we have what we call the Prophetic Awakening, the 18, uh, around 1800. You had a lot of scripture. We had a lot of prophetic awakenings, they called it, where God started revealing the scripture once again. Believe it or not, the scripture stayed hidden to people for 16, 1700 years for the most part. That's really when Martin Luther said, oh my, oh. You live by faith? Wow, bingo. We're like, oh, that's kind of 101 in Christianity 101. But to Martin Luther at the Reformation, 1500s, that's 1500 years after Christ. And you mean to tell me that that bit of information is revelation? So what was going on before then? It's just totally religion, works and religion and you know, that's the reason we can never get away from this idea you come to Christ to get cleaned up. Never forget that. And especially when you're applying it to your brother and sister in Christ, never forget. Did you know you can tell if a person's heart, let's say somebody that fails miserably constantly and you've talked with them, and it's confusing that they don't have greater success because you know their heart is Christ. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Their heart's Christ, and you're like, this just doesn't, they should make it. It's what's, what's going on here? They're, well, what's going on is they're having trouble getting cleaned up. But you can have the heart of Christ and fail, not be fully cleaned up yet, but still have the heart of Christ. Our job as the church is to tolerate each other as we're getting cleaned up. Have you noticed? Now, what each one of us tolerate or can tolerate is a different level. Right? That's right. It's a different level. There's something, well, I'm not supposed to tolerate this. I don't know about y'all, but God's put me in situations I've tolerated a whole lot more than I thought I would. When it comes to family, don't tell me. You'll compromise too. Don't sit out there and act like you're some saint or something. comes to your family, you'll do things you didn't think you'd ever do. That's right. And why? What we're looking for, God says this, He does not look upon the outer appearance, but He looks where? On the heart of man. So God's trying to train us how to look upon the heart of man. And I promise you the accumulation of information on anybody's life will contradict their heart. And yours will too at any given time. That's right. Yours too, mine too. Any given time, any given day, if I want to pull out the evidence on you how you acted that day, well, he ain't got Jesus in him. And every time somebody does something real bad, we'll say, well, he wasn't born again to start. Right? I mean, I'm just I'm trying to be honest with you here because we're wanting to develop our prophetic eyes to see as God sees and God looks upon the heart. 
where we've got to grab and get a little bit of a definition of what the heart is, what it looks like. Your heart can't see. You can't do these things, as Helen Keller said, but it doesn't feel. So as a believer, if your heart, the more your heart is in touch with God, the better it feels. Now, the the fall of nature of man, and I'll prove to you it feels. Did you know when you sin, it feels good? For a season, it says. I'll tell you one thing about age. I mean, I'm loving 70. I'll just be honest with you. There's one thing about age. Sin that used to feel good to me don't feel good no more. I wish I could have got there younger. But the age finally helped me. Like it or not. But but my point's the same. My point is your heart feels sin. And the Bible says it'll feel good for a season. There again, the reason I use that is a proof text to prove to you your heart is what feels spiritual things and that feelers is eyes to be able to see into a world that you can't see. A lot of people say, well, I don't let my emotions drive me. I'm not talking about your emotions, I'm talking about your heart. Emotions is an offshoot of the heart. But you've got to consider something. Your heart is what connects and feels God, and your heart is what the enemy's after. That's the reason he targets our heart. Is because he knows if he gets to the heart of man, he's got the man. He'll even let you act religious and act like you love God and raise your hands and do all of the stuff, all of the Christian calisthenics. He'll allow you to do that because he's after your heart. Because at home, you've got some secret stuff. God don't even know. We got secret stuff. Not realizing it's messing up our feeler, which is the heart. And did you know God's moving a whole lot more than we're feeling? I mean, you know that's the truth. We know that's the truth. God's moving a whole lot more than we're feeling. Well, I, it, what's the problem? It's the feeler. And if you'll notice, it just really tends to tick me off how we use it. You'll use your feeler to tell me everybody's sin, and you're probably right. Or your feeler is being used more for sin than it is for God. Now, I'm not saying you turn it off when it's sin because you won't, but... When we sin, it's our feeler, it's our heart that feels good for a season. That's my point. If that's the case, it's a heart issue. And when you get down to a heart issue, all of a sudden, it's, it's you and God. You're not saying, well, they made me do this or that. Well, you don't know. This is my circumstances, and my circumstances of life calls my heart to do this. Right? That's, that's what we do. And the enemy wants the circumstances of life to cause your heart to do this. But God says it's your heart that'll be in touch with him. It's your heart that God leads. 
It's your heart that God speaks to. I'm just suggesting the Word of God suggests we need to turn off some of these channels that are trying to get into our heart. And we might get a clearer signal for God because God's doing more than we're feeling. God's doing more than we're seeing. And I, I was praying for revival last week. One of the things got me started on this, I prayed on revival and, and uh, I had this feeling come over me like for some reason. Uh, me praying that to God was kind of offending him or something. And I could feel it. And I thought, well, what is that? I'm like, God, I'm praying for revival. And as in our conversation goes, his mind with God, that's when he got into me of what I'm sharing with you now, actually. Of how he said, Alan, you're not seeing, give me a little more credit for what I'm doing. I mean, you know, it's kind of like that's what he was saying. Can't you give me this? God, we need a move. It's like, could you not give me a little more credit for what I'm doing? And then, and then I was discovering, I, the truth is, I, uh, my heart, my feeler is not in touch enough with what he is doing for me to rejoice over what he's doing. So, wow, boy, did I mess up today's teaching uh, with the seven churches. Uh, nonetheless, this book and this book of Revelation cannot be approached Less you approach it with your heart. All of a sudden, it will not be confusing. It'll, it'll jerk your heart around, I'll be honest with you. It'll jerk it around, but yet you can feel it, and you can feel what's true and not true. And when it comes to, I've asked the Lord this, and then one reason I'm on it is this, uh, a little bit of a, a, a running dialogue between me and God in the last two years, and that is, there's got to be, there's so much news out here, fake news, yada, yada, yada news, right? God, how do you expect us to tell the difference? Most of us, the way we handle it is we just turn it all off. That doesn't quite suit me. I can turn it all off too, then I don't have to make a decision. But I believe the days that we're living in that God will equip us with our hearts in such a way that we can hear news and we can discern whether it's true or not. Yeah. And it's not by accumulating information. It's because as soon as we run into it, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. Yeah, that one's got 50% truth. I believe in these days that God's people can discern truth. But I think our discerners are a little bit weak. And if you go to the book of Revelation, your discerner's got to be running high. And you know, we all do it, me, you, everybody, we all go to the doctors and get all these reports that'll spin your head and we're convinced this is the evidence and I'm okay, okay, this is the evidence, okay. But the evidence cannot prove what the truth of God is for my life, physically, mentally, I, I mean, I go to the doctor like the rest of you, and I get the reports, and I get all this. Uh, there again, the more you go to the doctors, and you find out, I'm glad Trevor's not here. They're not as smart as I thought they were. Uh, Trevor's not watching. And if y'all say I said that, I'll deny every word. But they're just not as smart as I thought they were. And uh, when you really get into the scheme of things, 
And uh, but I am encouraged because God is. And we'll use the doctors where we need them. But we need to remember that our hearts, we go, I want, I want us as a prophetic people, our hearts have got to improve so our discernment improves. So a lot of the way we can get relational problems is because our discerners broke. You're just not discerning really what's going on here. Well, this person said, yeah, but what about you? Yeah, but you don't understand that they just got whacked uh, eight years ago by their mother, the father, their best friend, and now they're acting out. You're, a believer needs to be able to look at somebody and say, okay, I can see seven, eight years right now. Prophetically, I can see it. Okay. They're acting like a jerk. We can either respond to the jerk or we can see seven, eight, ten years of their life. Just in a second. And I believe when we can discern, you don't accumulate the evidence. Well, this is the, I know this, I'm going to stack it. Wait a minute, get back with me in two weeks and I'll accumulate this stuff and I'll tell you what your problem is. We ain't got two weeks. We got seconds to encounter this problem. I believe this church in this day, I believe I can prove it to you. That God wants to equip us in a way that we have a discernment of the heart. This true discernment. True discernment. It's not accumulation of evidence and we see a trend and we prophesy. That's not it. It's because we're of the heart. We can read, we can see, and we can prophesy. Anybody up for that? All right, come back next week. Can't promise that I'll get to it. That's where we're headed. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. Thank you for your word, oh God. We do ask and pray, dear Jesus. I pray, Lord, if there's anything that I've said that's not of you, I pray that it'll fall to the ground. If there's anything that I've said that's of you and your spirit, I pray that you impart it to us. Teach us. Let us hear what your spirit's saying. Let us feel what your spirit's saying. Lord, we open up our hearts to you and ask you to clean them up. Forgive us where we've sinned and fill us with your spirit. We love you, oh God. Be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.